Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You don't just live in your home. You live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, so it is official. Senator Tim Scott has decided to throw his hat into the ring and announce his run for the presidency. And what does he say as a, the lone black Republican senator that racism doesn't exist and anyone who tells you that America is a racist country is lying to you or just maybe has eyes and ears. We have watched and seen as hate crimes in this country have skyrocketed. We have seen how racial incidents have been on the rise. We have witnessed reports from our very own intelligence officers who tell us that white domestic terrorism is the threat to our democracy and not foreign interference. And so given all of that information, not to mention the erasure of black history that we are seeing in states like Florida, the gun violence uh, and mass shootings and police killings that we see, the lynching that just occurred in New York City by a white man against a black unhoused man. I mean, give me a fucking break. Like, I get it, Tim Scott. You should be proud of how high you've been able to rise in your own career, given all of the realities that black people in this country live with. And to point those things out is not to live in a state of grievance. It's to live in the state of reality. Right. And not this fallacy that, oh, you too, if you just pretend that racism doesn't exist and that your party is not the perpetuator of said racism and racist violence in this country, then all will be well. Well, we can't all afford to live in the fantasy that Tim Scott announced in his speech this past week. But, you know, bravo to him for trying. You know, folks, 
Later this week, we are also supposed to hear Ron DeSantis' announcement, unless he decides to continue to push that off as well. And the man is as charismatic as, I would assume, a wet noodle. But at least a wet noodle can give you some type of stickiness and grit. Ron DeSantis gives you nothing. He fades on the national stage. And while he continues to legislate hate, in Florida, to all of the applause of his Republican sycophants, what he is selling in Florida is not going to be purchased by the American people nationwide. Speaking of which, Gavin Newsom, governor of California, has come out and has begun to point the finger and ask for the records from publishers in this country who publish the textbooks because they are contorting themselves to follow Ron DeSantis's lead. And the reality here, folks, is that publishers only publish one book. So if you think just because you don't live in Florida or in Texas that your kids are going to be receiving the quality education that they need, think again. And I would hope that what Gavin Newsom is doing, that maybe our own governor here in New York, Governor Hochul, would maybe want to step in being as how she presides over the largest public school system in the entire fucking country with over a million kids. So if capitalism really does rule the day, then maybe the two most populous states with the largest public school systems should start to bring these publishers to fucking task on what it is that they are choosing to print and not to print. And let Florida flip the bill on their own version of American history and let that money come out of their state's pocket, right? Speaking of things coming out of folks' pockets, coming up next, my conversation with Starbucks worker and member of the Starbucks union, Michelle Eisen. We have a really great and frank conversation about what has happened to Starbucks. This company used to be revered as the new way to treat workers, referring to their workers as partners, giving them, you know, college credits and, you know, benefits and all of these things. But as Starbucks began to take over the country, they started to focus less on employee satisfaction and employee pay and compensation and started to focus more on their shareholders and CEOs. And so we sit down with Michelle Eisen, who brings our attention to the ongoing legal battles and unionization that is happening at Starbucks stores across the country. That conversation is coming up next. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. 
If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Folks, I am very happy uh, to welcome to Woke AF Daily uh, for the very first time, Michelle Eisen, who is uh, an organizer for Starbucks Workers United, uh, a barista in uh, in Buffalo, New York, um, and has been an advocate on the way in which uh, Starbucks workers have united uh, across the country uh, to unionize. And, you know, it, it was funny. I went to your Twitter, Michelle, and I saw one of your pinned tweets uh, from 2022 from last year that said that Starbucks, like happy anniversary to uh, the fact that you went from zero unions to now. I just saw in a recent article, 300 stores across the country are now unionized. So I just wanted to give you an opportunity to open up and speak about how much things have shifted and how quickly they have shifted because of Starbucks Workers United. Absolutely. I think actually as of today, we're at 312, um, oh, which is a pretty okay. great number. Yeah. So um, a year and a half ago, a little over a year and a half ago, there were zero unionized Starbucks in the US. And then, you know, as of today, what I just said, 312. And that is a result of workers, uh, in this case, Starbucks workers, acknowledging their worth, acknowledging what their labor is worth to this multi-billion dollar multinational corporation and standing up and, and demanding better, you know, demanding better from a company that not only states that they are a better company, but has the resources. If any company in the world has the resources to pay their workers fairly and improve working conditions, it's a company like Starbucks. And what you're seeing on the cusp of this, you know, global pandemic where Starbucks workers were, you know, on the front lines, we were, Starbucks stayed open. We were working customer facing yeah. positions for the entirety of the pandemic uh, in, you know, pretty deplorable conditions in some cases for a company that could have afforded to take care of us better and, and just simply did not. And the result is what you're seeing. You're seeing workers saying, hey, something's not adding up. You know, this is a company that is boasting record-breaking profits in the midst of a global pandemic, not just profits, but record-breaking profits. And you've got a workforce that can't afford to pay their rent and put groceries in their fridge with the same paycheck. That's not adding up. And so what you're seeing right now is workers acknowledging that and realizing that their labor is incredibly valuable. It is the company and um, demanding that Starbucks show up and do better by us. You know, it's so interesting. And, and I think for a lot of people that have been following this story as it has been developing over the last year and a half is that, you know, Howard Schultz, the former CEO, um, had been hailed you know, for for many, many years as, you know, the conscientious CEO, as the one that referred to uh, the employees of Starbucks as, quote unquote, partners, right? Um, somebody that was saying, oh, well, we'll give you uh, credits for college and we'll do these things. And so I want you to talk about how the public narrative of who Starbucks 
created its image to be and what the actuality was of those workers on the ground that many Americans, tens and millions of Americans, interface with on a daily basis. Sure. So when Starbucks came out with all of these great benefits, I think this was the early 90s. Um, I'm sure somebody will fact check for me, but that sounds about right. It was groundbreaking. You know, it was one of the first companies to offer the benefits packages that Starbucks offered in this in the food service industry, which is where we, you know, the category we fall into. Um, And, you know, they were one of the first to offer things like benefits eligibility for part time workers, which is where I come in. You know, I'm a, a production stage manager by trade you know, a job in the arts in this country rarely comes with health benefits. And so I needed something that I could work part-time that would supplement my income and allow me to partake in health benefits. That's the whole reason I came to the company, you know, 13 years ago almost. And wow. at that point, I think that they're, they were the company that they professed to be, you know, or they worked really hard to be that company. They wanted to have a reputation for taking care of their workers. They wanted to have a reputation for caring about their communities and caring about the environment. But things started to slip, you know, greed becomes a huge factor. Capitalism is what it is. And, you know, all of a sudden they're really answering more to their shareholders than they are to their their workforce. And that's what I saw as a worker, as a worker for over a decade. I saw these things that brought me to the company start to be slowly pulled away from the workers. You know, I saw my benefits um packages that they they decreased in coverage and my cost increased. For me, the kicker was 2018. So we're pre-pandemic, right? 2018, I broke my ankle. Now I've been working for the company for eight years at this point. I've been paying into my benefits the entire time. My benefits were so lackluster that I ended up paying for this entire ankle break out of my pocket. You know, I had to pay out of my pocket with health insurance through this company. That's where I started questioning kind of what A, what am I still doing here? The only reason I came here is for these benefits. And B, what is happening? What what is happening to this company? Why why are these changes shifting? Um, So what you're seeing is a company that's been able to ride out this reputation when there's not really anything to back it up anymore. And I think that's what the public really needs to, to see. What you are hearing, what you hear about Starbucks, the public narrative, the narrative that they want you to all believe it, it maybe was the company at one point, but lots of changes have happened. I just stopped into a store just this morning where I had contact with, with a worker from the very first store that I started at. And she's been with the company now, you know, 11 years. And I said, hey, how are things going? This is also a unionized store, by the way. And it's been really rough for us at these unionized stores. It's been rough in general, but the union workers are really taking a smack from this company. And I said, hey, you know, how how are you? How's it going? And she said, you know, it's it's ups and downs. And I said, yeah, I know. And she goes, it's just not the company it used to be. And I said, no, it's it's not the company it used to be. And what you're seeing are workers like me recognizing that and saying, hey, yeah. can we help you get it back? Can we help you get your mission back on track? Can we help you get back to the place you were when people were seeking Starbucks out because it was a better company. Um, and that's what I think I, I'd like people to to realize. We're not doing this because we hate Starbucks. We're doing this because we recognize what the company used to be. And we want to get it back to that place. We want to get it back on track. You know, you mentioned greed, which is, you know, the the kind of undertone of the demise of most companies, right? When they divest from their employees as a way to invest in their shareholders and their CEOs. And we see this time and time again. It's it's nothing that that is new. 
I think that for a while in this country, unions had been demonized, right? Unions came out of a place because people were dying in factories in the 20th century and they were and child uh, children were being employed as laborers, which many in the South are trying to do again. And you were seeing all of the ways in which workers were being taken advantage of by these major companies and they had no recourse. So the birth of unions, what right was to give workers the the ability to collective bargain, um, to be able to fight for uh, conditions that were safe, that were clean, um, and pay that allowed them to work with dignity. And so I want you to be able to talk to you know the the this kind of political divide with regard to the purpose and the place of unions, because, you know, when I listen recently as Howard Schultz was was testifying, um, you would think that he was like a staunch Republican. And I was like blown away by the way that he was demonizing and saying that unions and unionizing is the problem with business in America. So I want to get your response to that. It's really quite fascinating because you would think that this is something that would actually cross party lines. You know, this is something that a, a lot of times when you're looking at, you know, unions, you know, let's say based in the South or, you know, somewhere in the Midwest or Middle America, a lot of their workforce, I would say, would fall to the side, you know, of the Republicans. They would be, you know, they kind of are there, you know, uh, working class and, you know, you know, you got the American flag on their tailgate and next to their union strong. I mean, it's it really should cross party lines when you're dealing with worker rights and, you know, the overall workforce. So it was interesting. I was in the room during that testimony and you really would see, you know, you had the, the Democrats on the committee asking some really tough questions. You know, why are you treating your workers like this? Why are you firing union supporters? Why are you not coming to the bargaining table and negotiating a fair contract? And you know, they could have been a little tougher, but they were, there were some good questions asked. And then you had the Republicans on the committee kind of praising him for, you know, and patting him on the back. And I'm, and I'm like, this can't possibly be what this man actually wants his legacy to be. This can't, you know, like right. the, the general confusion of sitting in that room and, and seeing Howard Schultz who, you know, this is a man that right after the 2016 election addressed all of his workers basically saying, listen, what happened yesterday is not what any of us wanted. This is not the person we wanted elected to run our country. And I want you to know that, you know, as a company, we're going to protect you. We're going to take care of, you know, our LGBTQ partners. We're going to take care of our, you know, we're going to make sure that no matter who's running the country, that this company takes care of you. And I remember thinking, wow, this is, this is a good company to work for. This is a man who, who is saying, doesn't matter what, where, the direction this country is going and we're going to make sure as long as you work for this company that you're taken care of. That is not the man I saw presenting himself at this hearing, yeah. you know, just a few months ago. It, it was just complete night and day. Um, it, it is kind of fascinating to see that there's any argument when it comes to workers saying, hey, don't you think I should, you know, not have to fear for my life when I go into to work every day? Don't you think I should be able to work 40 hours a week for any company, but certainly for a company like Starbucks, and be able to pay my bills on that salary and have a family on that salary. And, you know, and the fact that anyone can stand up and say, no, you don't deserve that. 
you know, part of it is I think this crazy mentality that just exists in general in the service industry, but is very, very, very pervasive in this country, which is that these are jobs that don't deserve these things. You know, if you find yourself working at McDonald's or working at a Starbucks, you don't deserve respect and you definitely don't yeah. deserve fair wages and you don't deserve safe working conditions because you must have done something in your life that landed you in this job, you know, and maybe you should have done better or maybe you should go out and find something better. And what we're saying is why, why, why does any job come, does it, every job should come with respect. Every worker should go into their place of employment, no matter what it is and feel like they are worth something. And to, to, to hear yep. people say you don't deserve that because, you know, you, you get up and put on a green apron every day and make lattes. It's kind of mind boggling to me because these are not starter jobs. There are millions of workers in the service industry and that's literally their income. That's how they, they make their, their living. And that's how they take care of themselves and their families. And it's insane to me that people just think those workers are replaceable. You know, like you, you, a, a, a group of 15 year olds can't can't run any business and nor should they be expected to they're children there have to be seasoned workers in there that are you know running that place and taking people under their wing and training people and it's just it's really infuriating to, to you know we're just told to accept that this is what it is if you happen to work in the service industry the wait is over the shy returns may 10th on paramount plus and the stakes have never been higher Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. You know what I think is really interesting, too, because I, I, I don't know if it is a sense of like deep ignorance combined with nostalgia 
But I feel like the pushback, and particularly around raising the minimum wage, comes from this belief that service jobs in particular um, or low or, 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 or lower wage jobs are ones that are held by kids. And so, oh, you're being supported by your parents and this is just your side gig to go and uh, buy an Xbox or go and like, you know, hang out with your friends. And so in it, and I feel like I, I want to ask you, like, where did that fantasy or that ignorance come from? Because even I will say in my own family, I've had to shift uh, some of my family members views on on raising the minimum wage, because in our community, it was, you know, the summer job was to go work at the grocery store. The summer job was to go and and work in retail for a couple of months and then you head to college or you go back to high school or or what have you. And so they saw these young, you know, these young kids at one time or another in these positions and they're saying, well, why do they need $15 an hour? They're living at home. They don't have any bills. Right. So can you can you burst that bubble for us or, or tell us where where and why it originated to begin with? I mean, I, I, I don't know for certain, but my suspicion is that, you know, these are places, grocery stores and food service places that they're some of the few places probably that will hire people who are just starting out, you know, who have never had a first job before, because there are aspects to those jobs, though those are getting fewer and fewer and, you know, more far between, right, right. where, you know, you can bring someone in who's never, you know, worked a cash register or something, and you can train them to do that, you know, relatively quickly, and they can hold that position. But to assume that these places are only made up of those people, it just does frankly, doesn't make any sense. I mean, somebody has to be there to train these people. Somebody has to have been there long enough to, you know, know where things are, be able to do inventory, be able to place orders, be able, you know, so it's just, I think it's because they're places that allow people to start, you know, their working life there. But that doesn't mean that that place is solely made up of 15 and 16 year olds. So that's the only thing that I can think is that maybe that's where it come from. Yeah, those are, you know, Dairy Queen or, you know, those kind of starter jobs that people, because there's a way to get in there on the ground floor and they're willing to put in the training. And sometimes it's minimal, especially if it's something where they know they're only going to have you for a few months. But in in a case like Starbucks, I mean, the skill level, you could not just pull someone off the street and stick them in a green apron behind that counter and expect things to run smoothly. It would be a massive disaster. You know, you're, you're aside from a safety issue, I mean, you're dealing with very hot liquid. You're dealing with all sorts of machinery and all sorts of things that are constantly breaking down and have to be repaired. So it's this whole sort of, you know, unskilled labor, which is just a an oxymoron. There's no, if there's no unskilled labor. You know, you have to have some level of skill to do every sort of job skill. that's out there, right? Every, like yes, there has right, to be something right, out there. Right. So um, it's just, it's very, it's frustrating. And the, the, the other flip side of that is, let's just say that, you know, some place is able to function with a workforce between the ages of 15 and 18. Let's just say that that exists. Do those workers not deserve fair wages and not deserve safe working conditions because they fall within a certain age bracket. I mean, you want your children going into work for a place that doesn't care about their safety and doesn't value their labor. So, I mean, there's really, there's no good argument for any of that. You know, it does. I mean, there were, 
there were high school kids at the Elmwood location, you know, the first location to unionize, there was a couple of high school kids who were there. Now, I should note, that's a very clear shift in Starbucks hiring as well. You don't have to really go into that. But if you want to look at how the, the, the business model of Starbucks as a whole has shifted, when I started with the company, we didn't hire anybody under the age of 18 for a multitude of reasons. Oh, you know? wow. I'm assuming okay. safety being one of them, probably restrictions on working hours being another one. And then, you know, lo and behold, you see here's the pandemic and, and you know, people are struggling and all of a sudden they're like, sure, you're 16 and you want to come this, you know, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm just saying the company has shifted. The business model of the company has changed. Howard himself was quoted in an article last year, you know, saying, hey, once upon a time, I wanted this this coffee house experience. That's why I opened Starbucks. I wanted people to come in and have this be their third place. You know, you've got your home, you've got your work, and this is your Starbucks, your third place where you can come and hang out and do work and read a book. But guess what? I'm actually moving away from that model now. Now I'm going to, you know, grab and go where I don't really care if you have an experience. Come in and, you know, spend your money and leave. Clearly that's not what he said in those words, but that's the gist of it. It's he himself is moving away from this sort of, you know, what the company would call customer connection, um, which I think is is huge. And it should tell you exactly where, what kind of what side of the line they're falling on. It's come in and give your, you know, make your purchase, give the money. And then if your experience is subpar, well, you know, we already have your money. So it's just, it's sad. And it's not the company that I started working for. And it's actually not the company that he founded. You know, it's not the company that he runs around saying is, you know, the be all and end all of the service of the service industry and of the coffee industry. And so if we can somehow collectively as the workers come together and, you know, by demanding better for ourselves, inevitably make the company better, it's a win win situation. And I think that's what is still so shocking to me is that it's being fought so hard but for for what reason? No one's been able to give us a concrete reason as to why this shouldn't be, you know, Starbucks could do an about face tomorrow and, you know, really come to the table and really bargain a fair contract with these workers and the world would applaud them. You know, they would be who yeah. they say they are. Yeah. You know, they'd set the standard for the service industry, which they've done time and time again. Most people would forget all of the egregious labor law violations, which are in the thousands at this point. Um uh, you know, most of us, not me and several, certainly not the 200 plus fired workers who have been fired for trying to organize their Starbucks. But most of the world would be like, look at Starbucks. Look at how amazing they are respecting their workers right to organize and negotiating a fair contract. The public loves to see. I mean, we're at a point where the public likes to see employers take care of their workers. You know, they like to support businesses who are doing the right thing. We just saw Ben and Jerry's. We just saw that you know, Ben and Jerry's shop in Vermont file and the company came out and said, hey, not only are we going to respect U.S. labor law, but we're going to sign a non-interference agreement, essentially saying we're going to stand back and allow this this union election to go th through without trying to come in and, you know, illegally change things and, and sort of push things in our favor. And if the union wins, we're going to bargain a fair, con you know, we're going to sit down and bargain a fair contract. And everyone was like, this is amazing. You know, go Ben and Jerry's. Ben, you know, Starbucks is like the Ben and Jerry's of coffee. So the fact that they yeah. are not yeah. taking that route is, 
you know, it sounds so naive, but part of me is still shocked. You know, I've seen this company make some serious mistakes in 13 years. I've seen them make some missteps. I've seen them acknowledge those mistakes and I've seen them do whatever they can to right those mistakes. So that's really what I thought was going to happen here. I thought a little bit of resistance at the beginning, but they're going to realize this is the right, who wants to be on the wrong side of history? You can't look at what's going on here and say Starbucks is on the right side of this fight. They're just simply not. Um, so the fact that they're still fighting so hard, that we're all still fighting so hard, is right. kind of mind-boggling. Michelle, last question for you is, you know, people listening to this go to Starbucks, right? They go to Starbucks, they spend their money, and they felt like they were doing good. And I, I'm just curious, what do you say to people, to the consumer who believes in what it is that you are doing at Starbucks Workers United and wants to support your efforts and doesn't know how? So there's a couple of things that can be done. If you are in an area that has a store that is either unionized or is trying to unionize and you can patronize that store, I would say, please do that. Let those workers know that you believe in what they're doing and that you're you're, you're standing with them. One of the things that Howard did when he stepped back into power to try to you know stop this campaign was he took all of these asks that the union had made in some early bargaining bargaining sessions. I use air quotes for those of you who can't see me because there wasn't really any actual bargaining going on. But he took things that the union was asking for and he went and granted those benefits, things like credit card tipping, which the company had never had before the union asked for it. But he said, I'm going to give you all these benefits, but I'm not going to give them to the unionized workers. I'm going to give these benefits to the, to the non-union workers. That happened. I mean, that took place. Oh, wow. So there are non-union stores who are making, some of these workers are making, you know, up to $4 more an hour than a union store down the street because that store is allowing credit card tipping and the union store is not being allowed, you know, not being granted credit card tipping. So, you know, we're being retaliated against and punished, literally punished for wanting, you know, for executing our right as a, a U.S. citizen to organize our workplace. So if you are around a unionized store or so, a store that you've heard is unionizing and you can come in and, you know, patronize that store and, you know, tell the, the workers they're doing a good job, throw an extra five in the tip jar, something along those lines, I would highly, highly recommend that. Um, the other thing is just getting the word out there that this is happening and that the company is not behaving in the way that the company you know, a company like Starbucks should be behaving. You know, there are egregious acts of labor law violation that are in litigation. Some have already been, they've been found guilty of. And, you know, now it's just the, the long court process of what are the remedies for that. Um, it's It's been really hard to be, you know, a worker doing this. But what's hopeful is that in spite of the way that the company has reacted, in spite of the way they're treating their workers who are trying to organize, there are stores filing union petitions every every week. We still have workers who are brave enough to join this fight and say, you know what, it it we know what's going to come at us because we've watched it happen. I don't know if I would have been brave enough to do this if I wasn't at the first store. If I'd been at store 100 and I'd seen what the company had done to the workers who were for unionizing, would I have been brave enough to stand up and say, I'm still going to join this fight? There are hundreds of Starbucks workers still choosing to join this fight you know, every month in spite of the way the company is reacting. Yeah. And I think if that isn't, you know, the epitome of hopeful and 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 hope for this new sort of frontier of of the labor movement, I don't know what is. Yeah. Well, Michelle, I, I thank you so much 
uh, for making the time to join Woke AF, but really for the work that you are doing um, to create a, a better environment for workers, one that has dignity, that has respect, um, that has safety, um, which should just be the norm. It shouldn't be something that you have to fight for. But I really appreciate you making the time to join Woke AF. Thank you. Thank you. That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.